Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Man, oh, Manischewitz. Awful lot going on here. We'll get to the Manafort case. We'll get to all these things. But first, I want to talk to you about the Republicans who are undermining the President of the United States, who's trying to secure the nation, our national sovereignty, and the southern border. And some of these people dress up as constitutional conservatives, and some of them claim they're concerned about separation of powers. I'm sorry, they don't apparently understand separation of powers, nor do they understand the powers of the executive branch and the presidency vis-a-vis Congress, nor do they understand the budget process. And I'm telling you right now, you and I, we've been in this battle now for 15 years trying to secure that southern border. And if senators who claim to be conservatives and constitutionalists and TV hosts and radio hosts are going to continue to undermine this effort we may have to start calling them out by name. They've done nothing to secure the border. Zero. Not in TV land, not in radio land, and not in Congress land. Not a damn thing. The President of the United States is fighting all of them. And nut jobs like Ann Coulter on top of it. And every time he acts... The left says, oh, this is dictatorial. And now we have so-called constitutional conservatives on TV and radio and in Congress doing the same damn thing. This president has adhered closer to the Constitution and the rule of law than any president since Ronald Reagan. He's not looking to violate separation of powers. More times than not, it's the courts that violate separation of powers when it comes to Trump's decisions. Now let's talk about this for the 4,000th time. Let me try this a different way. So even slow-learning senators, radio hosts, and TV hosts can understand it. We have the National Emergencies Act of 1976. It does not give the president dictatorial power. He doesn't have the power to change the Bill of Rights when it comes to guns. He doesn't have the power to legislate willy-nilly. It has specific authorities that are provided to the president of the United States... If he declares a national emergency, he's still in a box. And Congress has the power to overrule him. And the courts still have judicial review. How is that a dictator? We have the Military Construction Codification Act of 1982. Wasn't passed last week. 1982. So you have one law in 1976, one law in 1982. 
that specifically recognizes the power of the president to reallocate funds for military construction projects when he declares a national emergency. Maybe we forget that the president of the United States is the executive branch. He is the executive branch. There have been great debates over whether or not the President of the United States can impound funds. The left-wing Democrat Congress used that as one of the charges against Nixon. He said, look, Congress can appropriate funds, but I have to decide whether they're spent or not. I'm the executive branch, and I say in some cases in order to control spending, no. Whoa, that violates separation of powers. Not really. How so? We have people commenting on this, people voting on this, who don't even know what they're talking about. Who have no idea what they're talking about. Separation of powers. I'm all for separation of powers. There's nobody stronger in this regard. Nobody. Well, you know, uh, the Military Construction Codification Act violates the Constitution's non-delegation doctrine. No, it doesn't. How so? The non-delegation doctrine only applies to rules of private conduct. So I don't know what they're talking about. Are they saying that the President of the United States cannot manage the executive branch? That he has no elbow room whatsoever? Now that's absurd. Not only does he under the Constitution, Congress is even conferring it on him even if he didn't have it. That doesn't violate separation of powers in this instance. What violates separation of powers is when Obama wrote legislation called DACA, instituted it, without any other statutory basis or authority. He did it on his own. Now, if the 1976 National Emergencies Act is unconstitutional, then multiple presidents have violated the Constitution, and Congress has done nothing, and the courts have done nothing. If the movement of funds under the Military Construction Codification Act of 1982 is unconstitutional, a dictatorial act, then past presidents have been dictators. But the fact of the matter is, this is far more acceptable as a constitutional matter. Far more acceptable than the existence of these departments and agencies in the first place. So what you have people doing, and they typically do this, is they beat their chest and pat themselves on the head. Look at me. I'm a purist. No, you're not. You're a fool. You are twisting into, the, into a pretzel the Constitution and these statutes and the authority of a president in the executive branch to move funds around that have been already appropriated. He's not appropriating them himself. Where he already has cushions built in to these various appropriations that Congress has provided. He's running the executive branch. He's trying to secure the border. If Congress won't go along, too damn bad. All roads don't go through Congress. Some do and some don't. And then the slippery slope argument about the Second Amendment. Well, you can't use the National Emergencies Act to change the Constitution to eliminate due process, presumption of innocence, 
the right to counsel, grand jury practices, I go on and on and on. That statute doesn't give that kind of power to a president. This president isn't nationalizing anything. He's not imposing anything. He's trying to exercise his authority as commander-in-chief to protect the nation-state, the southern border, from an invasion. And I am very, very disappointed in my friend Mike Lee, which seems to be happening more and more, unfortunately. Because it wasn't that long ago when he concluded as an initial matter that this was legal, but that he had some concerns about it. As our friends at Right Scoop point out, he earlier believed Trump's national emergency was legal even though he disagreed with it. Now he says he's going to vote against it. His spokesman says, We tried to cut a deal the president didn't appear interested, said Alex Bolton, his spokesman. Well, so what? So what? So we have a basic gaggle of Republicans from Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and Lamar Alexander and that ilk to Mike Lee and others who beat their chests about separation of powers. And here's the irony. They vote every single day against separation of powers. They fund these bureaucracies which violate separation of powers if you follow their train of thought. And I do. But this isn't that. The president's not legislating. The president's not appropriating. The president is using statutes that have been in existence for decades and decades and decades. And he's using them legitimately to try and secure the southern border. He's not ramming anything through Congress. He's not trying to change the Constitution. We have plenty of people trying to do that. He's mindful of separation of powers. He's nominating people to the courts who are mindful of separation of powers and the roles of the executive and Congress and the judiciary. He's done more than any of these commentators. He's done more than any of these senators to uphold the Constitution, to ensure fidelity to the Constitution. And this is no different. What would they have the president do? Surrender his executive powers? Surrender his authority as commander-in-chief? Surrender control of the southern border to the Speaker of the House and the Democrat Party? What would they have him do? What do they think would be constitutional? Elect more Republicans, huh? Well, that hasn't worked. When you elect Republicans who say they're going to secure the southern border, the minute they get in office, they won't. So he's looking around, he's looking at the Constitution, he's looking at the statutes that already exist, and he's saying, okay, fine. He's got the top lawyers in the land advising him. And they say, you can do these things, it's perfectly constitutional. And then we have the spitballers who think they know better. They don't know better. They don't litigate. They don't write briefs. They don't practice constitutional law. And they don't know what they're talking about. 
The president is able to move funds around. Not only under the Constitution, but even more so, Congress, Congress underscored that authority. Under a specific statute. Well, you can't delegate that. They're not delegating anything. He is the executive branch. And he gets to make decisions too. Well, you know, the uh, we can just say that uh, under the Second Amendment, shootings are out of control. No, you can't. That's not what the National Emergencies Act says. That's not what it says. You're not free to change the Constitution, and Trump's not changing the Constitution. Many of the people trashing Trump on this don't like him in the first place. They didn't vote for him. They didn't support him. You look at Collins and Murkowski and Lamar Alexander, you look at some conservatives, pseudo-conservatives, who didn't vote for him. So this is nothing to them. It's just another opportunity to trash him. But I am telling you, as I sit here, that they are wrong as a constitutional matter. They are wrong as a statutory matter. They are wrong as a logical matter. And all of a sudden, if Trump pulls the trigger, as he did on the National Emergencies Act, he's a dictator. You should be sick and tired of this, ladies and gentlemen. Sick and tired of it. And you should be sick and tired of the people who mouth this BS. We are the constitutionalists. We are the ones who want to secure the nation. We are the ones who recognize the appropriate authority of a president, the appropriate authority of Congress, and the appropriate authority of the judiciary. You and I, we've been talking about this for 15 years. You've been reading about it in my books for 15 years. All of a sudden, Trump's president. The establishment hates him. The Democrats hate him. The media hate him. TV hosts hate him. Talk show hosts hate him. Didn't vote for him. All of a sudden, this is a separation of powers issue. It is not. Even if the liberal Democrats down the road cite it, it's still not a separation of powers issue. DACA was a separation of powers issue. DACA. I'll be right back. Lovin. The new congressional leadership is in town, but there's nothing new about what they're pushing. Big government, centralized government, iron-fisted government, higher taxes, more regulations, open borders. They're on a mission to obstruct our freedom and undermine our sovereignty. Yours, mine, all of ours. And too many representatives don't care. This is the nature of progressivism. It's an ideological poison. And the best way to fight it is with knowledge, information about liberty, about the Declaration, about the Constitution, and how Congress is supposed to work. It's up to we, the people, to understand what our government is and is not supposed to do. And that includes Congress. And thankfully, my good friends at Hillsdale College have brought back the powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress, and it's absolutely free. Please take advantage of this remarkable offer to equip yourself, your family, your friends, your neighbors with the knowledge that all of us should have about our Congress and our government generally. Hillsdale College is on a critical mission to restore liberty in our great country. And you can take their excellent online courses for free for a limited time. So sign up right now for this important course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore so we can do something about it. Go to levinforhillsdale.com.
comes to securing the southern border. We have some Republicans from states that are really not affected by illegal immigration as thoroughly as other states. We have a Republican senator from Alaska, a Republican senator from Maine, a Republican senator from Utah, and a handful of others. So politics has really played into this. You don't hear Republican senators from border states making a mockery of separation of powers in the Constitution, do you? And then you have Democrats to a man and a woman who want the border open. They've made that abundantly clear. So the states that are most adversely affected by the constant flow of illegal immigrants into this country, really, it's only happened in the last 40 or 50 years, the lack of assimilation, the cultural, political, demographic consequences, the economic consequences, they have to keep fighting this this bizarre political coalition of the hard left blue state politicians and some of these politicians from states who are Republicans were largely unaffected by what's taking place on the southern border. And then you have individuals who claim to be constitutional experts or legal experts, former this and former that, on TV and some on radio, who will tell you that this is a violation of separation of powers, and boy, when it comes to that, they just stand firm. That's absolutely ignorant. Absolutely ignorant. As I've explained over and over and over again. And they have no solutions either, you see. They have no solutions either. Let me ask you a question. Do the Republicans seem particularly anxious to do anything about the southern border? Tell me, who is speaking out in the United States Senate among the Republicans forcefully on behalf of the president? Even more so on behalf of the American people in securing that border. Can you name one Republican senator? Can you name one? I hear the ones who undermine border security and wrap themselves in the Constitution much as the left. But who are the leading voices in the United States Senate among the Republicans? Insisting that the president carry through. I cannot think of a single one. Not a single one. You need to remember this. You need to hold these Republican politicians accountable. I don't care who they are. I don't care what crap they feed us. I'll be right back. I want to thank our sponsor, Hillsdale College, for all they do to try and maintain the greatness of America. You know, most colleges have enough trouble maintaining the greatness on their own campuses, and they have declined. And they have fallen into cultural rot. Not Hillsdale College. It's a special place. And now they reach out to all citizens of the country to spread the word of liberty, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, capitalism, all the great things that make America what she is today. And now that Congress is under new leadership, it already seems to be on a mission to thwart our liberty, doesn't it? Yours and mine. 
But too many representatives don't know how to preserve liberty, and too many of them don't care. We call them progressives. But I'm not interested in the progressives. I'm interested in you, we the people. It's up to we the people to retain what we have earned and to retain what we have received from our founding fathers. And our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check. And being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. That's why for a limited time, my good friends at Hillsdale have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free, to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty like the rest of us. And you can take their excellent online course for free for a limited time. Sign up today for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore. Learn about liberty, the Declaration, the Constitution. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. You see, folks... We, I think most of us, are constitutionalists. We have libertarian beliefs, but we're constitutionalists. And uh, we reject this idea that an ideology, as opposed to a philosophy, that an ideology, whether of the left or of the libertarian right, should be used to pervert the Constitution. We are originalists. Those who argue in a vacuum that the president does not have the authority to do this are not constitutionalists. They are ideological libertarians. And as I say, in many respects, I'm a libertarian. That said, the Constitution is our governing document. Thank the Lord, or at least it's supposed to be. What does the Constitution require? And what statutes have been passed? Are they constitutional or not? And what about the President's authority as Commander-in-Chief and the President's authority over spending, that is, appropriations that have already been made, particularly where Congress has already authorized him to move funds around? Why would a President handcuff himself in a perverse interpretation of the Constitution that is nonsensical? Ignore statutes that give him the authority and undergird his constitutional power to secure the southern border. You have to be a libertarian ideologue or a left-wing ideologue and not a constitutionalist. Susan Collins is not a constitutionalist. And those who claim that they are and vote against the president on this, they're not either. Certainly not in this circumstance. They're whimsical. They're ideological, but they're defying the Constitution. This isn't a violation of separation of powers. This is a recognition of separation of powers. This is a recognition of the President's authority under Article 2, as well as Congress's authority under Article 1. We're not making anything up. This is an abortion in the Constitution. We're not making anything up. This is how it works. Again, it's not Obama with DACA. He wasn't following any existing statute. He wasn't following the Constitution. He was defying the Constitution and made his own statute. 
it's really quite appalling what goes on in the Republican Party and on airwaves. It's really pathetic. The constitutional illiteracy that is dressed up as wisdom. So these Republicans have to be held to account. This is our last straw. This is our last opportunity. This is the last way to do it. President tried everything. The government's been shut down. It's been reopened. It's been shut down again. There have been negotiations. What else is a president supposed to do? He's trying to uphold, uphold the Constitution, which is what he swore to do. Trying to secure the border against a national crisis, which he's trying to do. And all he does is take incoming attacks from the media, from the Democrats, from Republicans, from talk show hosts on TV and radio. It's unbelievable. I don't take a backseat to anyone when it comes to fidelity to the Constitution. But you have to actually understand what the Constitution says and what it's about. Rather than resort to libertarian abstractions or liberal abstractions, which bring you to the same place in this particular issue. Let's flop a few more issues on the table. So we have this college admissions scandal. And we get to the class warfare again. Can't just have a scandal. Can't just have laws broken. We got to do class warfare. Here's rich people trying to buy their way into colleges and universities. Well, we have poor people who, who are also able to use various means to get into colleges and universities. We have all kinds of people scamming the admissions process. I talked about this last night. Didn't I not, Mr. Producer? So it's not a rich versus poor and everybody against the middle class. What is with this Marxist claptrap that Republicans are spewing all the time? Talk show hosts, TV hosts. I I don't get this. Why do we play like we're left-wing socialists or Marxists? Now, clearly, you have two score and more individuals who tried to use Various means to get their kids into these schools. In this case, money. In other cases, people use race. In other cases, people use other things on their resumes that they beef up. Volunteerism, so forth and so on. Got it. And the same with hiring faculty. We went into that. That's a whole other scandal. Of course, nobody will investigate that because they're all left-wing kooks with a few exceptions. But Elizabeth Warren has chimed in. Elizabeth Warren told MSLST she had zero sympathy for the dozens of parents charged in what the Justice Department says is the biggest college admissions scandal it's ever prosecuted. Number of business executives and two notable actresses were named in, as you know, a $25 million cheating scam that helped their children gain admission to top schools in the nation. Now, a couple of points. I really do not believe that these kids who are now in college should have their faces all over television. We don't know what they knew. We don't know what they know. None of them are being charged with anything. And so you're destroying these kids. And look, I'm not a special pleader for anybody except the truth. So you're destroying these kids. So why are we doing that? 
That's number one. Number two, here again, these two actresses, armed men, multiple armed men, knocking on their doors, and so forth and so on, to arrest them. Why? Why do you need to use that kind of force? I just don't get that either. And it's becoming commonplace. Now back to Elizabeth Warren. Democratic presidential hopeful Senator Elizabeth Warren told MSLSD that she has zero sympathy for the dozens of parents charged in what the Justice Department says is the biggest college admission scandal it's ever prosecuted. Yale University, Georgetown University, Stanford University, the University of Southern California, Wake Forest University were all among the institutions that accepted children whose parents are accused in the scam. So Warren says, I have no sympathy for these parents. They tried to take unfair advantage. May I ask you folks a question? Don't you think it's a little strange that Elizabeth Warren is talking about this? Mr. Producer, didn't she claim to be an Indian or a Native American in order to get preferential treatment to get into law school? Well, how come she's not prosecuted? She lied her way all through college and law school. She lied her way into the faculty of Harvard University. And here she is. She has no sympathy for these families, none whatsoever. And all she does, I apologize. You know, my mom told me we were partying. And this one told me, I don't know. And I, she has been scamming the American people, scamming Harvard, scamming law schools, scamming colleges her entire damn useless life. And she has no sympathy, ladies and gentlemen, none whatsoever for these parents who abused the system and got caught. Zero sympathy, quote unquote. Well, then why should anyone vote for her and have any sympathy whatsoever for Elizabeth Warren? Isn't she the poster girl for abusing the admissions process? For being a scam artist? Yes, she is. And she walks free. She walks free. She's running for president. She should be running from the attorney general, not running for president. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that the new congressional leadership is on a course to impede our liberty, your liberty and mine and the future liberty of your children and your grandchildren. Many of our representatives simply don't understand or care about the critical imperative to preserve our liberty. And it would seem that some of these so-called progressives actually seek to kill it. And these progressives are quite unlikely to understand or learn these things, which is why we have to. We need to overcome them. Our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check and be Being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. Now, to help us understand this critical issue for a limited time, 
My friends at Hillsdale College have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free, to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. I encourage you to check out this course, but not just you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Spread the word of liberty like Hillsdale College is. Hillsdale is on an important mission to restore liberty in our great country. And for a limited time... You can take their excellent and enlightening online courses for free. I urge you to sign up right now for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't work anymore. Learn more about liberty. Spread the word. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Ted, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hey, Mark. Um, so, in this case, to me, I feel like you're you're acting more as a lawyer. Why don't Why don't you stop telling me what I am and tell me what you think? Okay. Stop uh, yep. acting like a liberal. Make your you'll case. You'll see what I'm. You'll see what I'm getting at. So, in this case, you know what I want when I say a lawyer versus a judge is you spent hours and you mentioned on the Constitution, you know, gun control, abortion. You spent whole shows, books, hours going into the intent. When they passed that, what did they mean? Deliberations before and after writings they did, everything. So why would you not dissect this national, this, this emergencies act? Okay. The original intent of the Constitution? You want to talk about it? What part are you talking about? Article 2? No, 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 no. Stay on the national. Oh, no, no, no. What's an originalist? See, Stay on. I'm uh, educating you. It's impossible for you to educate me about this. You're the student. I'm the teacher. When you talk about originalism talking about original intent when it comes to the Constitution. Article 2. Have you read Article 2? To the act that Trump is declaring. Do that same... I'm happy to talk about the act that you have clearly not read. And I've read it on the air. Tell me, what is the original intent of the National Emergencies Act of 1976? I don't want what I said. I want to know that Congress... How? What? You call me and you say you talk on and on and write books about original intent... We've gone through the statute. I've gone through Article 2 over a period of, what, six weeks now? And you challenge me and say, uh, you know, you get on here and you talk about I said, okay, let's talk about it. What's the original intent of the National Emergencies Act of 1976? You can read the Bill of Rights, but what I'm asking you for is... I'm not talking about the Bill of Rights. I'm talking about the statute that you just raised. You call me and you haven't even read it. Stay with me. Hello. What I'm saying is, why can't you apply what the Congress would, when they deliberated this act, why don't you get into all that and really devote some analysis to Because if out- you understand how this works, interpreting a statute is different than interpreting the Constitution. People put stuff into the congressional record, and the Supreme Court has talked about this many times too, as have I. People stick stuff in the congressional record to want you to create a legislative intent, including people who vote against the statute. So a statute's looked at differently. You only go to legislative intent as a last resort. If the statute speaks for itself, as this one does, you don't even need to look at legislative intent. Same with the Constitution in some respects. If you're 35 years old and you're an American naturalized American citizen or American citizen and you want to run for president of the United States, I don't need to look at the original intent. There it is. Now, get off the air. All you do is talk over me. You don't even want to hear an answer. I know I'm a lawyer. You don't need to keep telling me I'm a lawyer. Well, you're acting like a lawyer, not a judge. I'm not acting like anything. I'm explaining how it works. 
and you're argumentative and you haven't read any of it. You don't even know what the statute says. You don't even know what Article 2 says. The president is well within his power. This is not a violation of separation of powers. It has nothing to do with, quote-unquote, the original intent of the National Emergencies Act of 1976. It lays out what the president can do. It doesn't matter what Bella Abzug said in 1976 by submitting a speech for the record that was never read on the floor, and maybe she was in the minority or majority. That's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. We look at the original intent of the Constitution in order to ensure that we're following the Constitution. But a statute, statutes are changed. They're not, you know, it's not like going through an amendment process to the Constitution. A statute is a statute. It's not our our governing uh, overarching law. But I'm happy to look at the original intent of the statute. We've talked about this. The statute was passed in 1976. Why? Because before it was codified by Congress, presidents were using their implied power implied power as the head of the executive branch to address emergencies their own way, to declare emergencies their own way, who used much more authority and used it in a much more flexible way than this statute permits. This statute was intended, in some respects, to box in a president, to make it more difficult for a president to act unilaterally. That's the joke here. Look at this, he's acting like a dictator. Well, Lincoln, was he a dictator? Was Eisenhower a dictator? Was Truman a dictator? You can go right down the list. So Congress said, you know what, we're going to pass this National Emergencies Act. We understand there are occasions when a president has to act, when Congress cannot, will not. It could be a timely thing, whatever it is. He's got certain powers under Article 2 that we don't have, and sometimes he or she has to act. They didn't say in the National Emergencies Act every instance except when Donald Trump is president or any instance except that deals with uh, that deals with securing the border on immigration. That's not what the statute says. All right. Originalism. Okay, we win on originalism too. Fine. Whether it's originalism, the plain text, tradition, we'll apply it all. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. I think we're going to take a few calls and then jump into another issue, because it seems like this issue really has you engaged, and it should. It should. I hear the mealy mouths. That guy would not listen. He would ask questions. He would project onto me. Mr. Producer said he was talking right through us because I can't hear everything in my headset. I mean, if you want to engage, I'm happy to engage. But don't talk through me. Nobody wants to hear that. Joe, Gaithersburg, Maryland, the great WMAL. How are you, sir? I'm good, Mark. I'm a, I'm a lawyer, and I went to law school, and I learned exactly what you say. If only if 
the law is not clear, the statute is not clear, do you go back and look at legislative intent? That's it. You are absolutely correct. That caller was calling in. And, oh, by the way, I've already called Mike Lee and Rand Paul and left messages where they need to get their heads out of where the sun don't shine. Well, they're either going to follow the Constitution or they're going to be um, sort of libertarian gadflies. Yeah. Now, I, 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 you know, we all have, those of us who are conservatives, libertarian leanings, particularly when it comes to economic matters, some cases personal matters, fine. But we have a Constitution that, that determines what the president can do, Congress can do, and the courts can do. So it's not about libertarianism. It's about the authority that the president has to run the executive branch. Right. And people say, well, Congress can't confer legislative authority on the president. Well, they haven't. Tell me, you're a lawyer, Joe. Is the president appropriating something? No. He's moving funds around, which he's allowed to do, I would argue, without a statute. But he's done it with statutory authority, correct? Correct. So what are they whining about? The power they gave him. So what's the problem here, exactly? Well, like I said, these senators are walking around for some reason, got their heads up where the sun don't shine, and somebody needs to extract it for them. And I guess they're not listening to the proper people. (laughs) They're not listening. You know, here's the thing. A lot of these guys, and it's not just senators. It's TV hosts, radio hosts who think they know. They're not fond of Trump, or they they accept Trump in the breach. Um, And Trump is doing more than any of them to try and secure the border. Trump has done more to try and put constitutionalists on the courts than any of them would ever be capable of doing. We don't have to agree with everything Trump's doing, but when we do agree with the things he's doing, can't we get behind him? All right, Joe. So disappointed in the Republicans in the Senate. And they had the damn majority in both houses, didn't they? Yep. What do they do with it? What do they do with it when George Bush is president and they control the House and the Senate? They almost gave the whole country away. Yep. All right, Joe. Thanks for your call, buddy. How about we take a few more, then we'll... uh, We'll jump into a few other issues that are important. Nathan, Rochester, New York, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? Mark, what a pleasure. So nice to speak with you. Thank you, sir. First of all, I just want to say uh, I'm very sorry about your mom and your dad. Uh, Your dad passed away just before the election, and uh, I wasn't going to vote because I live in New York and wasn't too sure how much good it would do, but uh, I voted in his honor. uh, Thank you very much. I'm a... uh, one of seven children. My dad was a pastor. I have an uncle who was a Reagan-appointed federal judge. I'm a constitutional conservative, and it is so frustrating to me because the left goes to the left, further to the left, and the right goes with them. I don't understand why we don't hold firm where we are or get back to constitutional principles, which should be the center. It always seems to me like every time they go left, we go with them. And it makes no sense or, to or me. We accommodate so frustrating. Or we accommodate. And Nathan, I'll give you another example. Not to pick on a senator in particular here. A senator has proposed a his own form of uh, family leave. Okay. At the same time, the senator says that what the president wants to do here is unconstitutional. 
Tell me, what is the authority under our Constitution? If we want to really, really dig deeply, what is the authority under our Constitution to have a Family Leave Act where the federal government, they can claim it's through Social Security or anything else they want to claim, where the federal government will subsidize people who have children? Where's the authority for that? There is none. There is none whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, and you're expanding no. the role of government. You're expanding it into the family. You'll have unintended consequences. You don't know where this is going to lead. And yet, that individual goes on about, well, if Trump does this, you know, it's violation of separation of powers. No, it's not. But I'm sure as hell against any, any of these proposals, whether it comes from the president, whether it comes from a senator, well, whoever it comes from, to have family paid for family leave. And my God, you're going to take the money out of Social Security. People put their money in. There is no money in Social Security. Exactly. I know it's crazy. And I, another thing that drives me nuts is here the president is. I mean, you talk about being attacked, relentlessly attacked. And he wakes up every day and he works as hard as he can. And there's one reason he does it. It's because he loves America. He doesn't need it. He's not making any money. And his children he are attacked. This country. Yep. His, in, in, in the most violent, vicious ways. I mean, the whole family's on the line. Uh, can you think of another politician where that's the case? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, maybe Mike Pence. But, you know, he's another constitutional, upholding, religious, lovely person. Mm-hmm. And That's you know, true. even Joe Biden got destroyed for, for saying something nice about him. I mean, it's so far gone that if we don't if we don't as conservatives and Republicans start moving back toward the right a little bit, we are going to be so far gone. And it's inevitable that. The- yeah, let, me, let me let me let me just say this. I think you're right. And I'll tell you something, Nathan, I've noticed a lot of this. Most of the people who served in the Reagan administration or who worked on President Reagan's 76 and 80 campaigns support Trump. I'm sure they do. Other, hold on. Other so-called conservatives who self-identify many right and right and right and talk and talk and talk never served in the Reagan administration. They are observers. They're commentators. That's fine. I have no problem with that. That's fine. But many of them, or some small percentage of them, I'll put it that way, are never Trumpers. Are never Trumpers. Isn't that interesting? It is. Well, here's the thing. Now what's coming out about what our own government did to prevent this man from having any sort of peace as the president of the United States, should be all over the air. And there's only a couple of channels that talk about it. And i and I got to tell you, Life, Liberty, and Levin is my favorite show on television. Thank you. I watch it religiously, and then Thank I you. watch it, or I listen to it two or three times during the week while I'm at work, because it's so important for the truth to get out, you know, Scripture says the truth will set you free. And I'm telling you, the truth is the most important thing. We need to shed light on this stuff because it's scary. It's downright scary. And I'm scared for my kids. 
I'm scared for the schools that my kids attend. I'm scared for, you know, everything around us that's going on. And you know something? I support Israel. I support Israel because the Bible says that those who are in favor of Israel, God is in favor of them. You bless, he blesses Israel. If you bless Israel, God will bless you. That, that's what Mike Huckabee told me. Yep, God Same. will curse you. But, but, but here's the thing. This country, in the last 10 years, really since Obama, his presidency, has taken such a hard nosedive with our morals, with our traditions, with our customs, with our rule of law, has taken such a hard nosedive. Sometimes I wonder, what happens after Trump? What happens after Trump if they win? Mm-hmm. I think we're in for a hell of a tough time. I really do. I think we are, too. But I also think that there's a lot of good things going on. You know, Candace Owens is doing a wonderful thing. Oh, yes. Charlie Kirk is doing a wonderful thing. You know, you, you look around and you see people, and I have conversations with people. I have good conversations with people, people who don't agree with me. But I speak calmly, I speak kindly, and I tell the truth. And they listen. They don't argue with me because they can't refute the truth. And it's so important for people to spread the truth. And I thank you for spreading the truth. Nathan, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. you. Take care of yourself. And by the way, it's early yet, but we're going to have a great Sunday show again on Fox, Life, Liberty, and Levin, 10 p.m. Sunday, Eastern Time. Bill Bennett, one of the wise men of the Reagan administration. And we're going to talk about all these issues. All these issues, because it's important to hear from a man like Bill Bennett, as we heard from Ed Meese and some of the others who are old-time Reaganites, and how they talk about Trump, how they like Trump, how they understand that we really are in a very dangerous period in our history here. Very dangerous period. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I have some big news for you. No, seriously. It's big to me. By the end of the week, I should be done with my next book. Now, it's been a great challenge writing this book because we've had a lot of hardship in this family. But that said, um, I actually am very excited about this book. And I think once I tell you the name of the book, which I cannot yet, once you have access to the book, once I discuss it at some length with you, you're going to love it. I think you're going to love it as much as you loved liberty and tyranny. It's a crucially important topic, which I can't tell you yet, but soon I can. But for instance, I was up till four this morning working on it. This is what you have to do when when, when life throws you curveballs. And I'll be up till four in the morning this morning working on it. And my goal is to finish it by this weekend and then work on all the footnotes. There'll be hundreds of footnotes to ensure that everything's accurate, that I give credit where credit is due, and that you can look at the original sources, which is what I always do with my books. Uh, My last book was a very tough book to read. 
I think it was one of my best, Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. You'll really be able to sink your teeth into this next book. And I think it really fills a vacuum. I think it's very, very important, particularly given our times. It's not about conservatism per se. It's not about the founding per se. There's some of that, of course, but it's about something else. Spent a lot of time thinking about it, writing notes to myself about it over the years. And now finally I've written a book about it. I'm very excited about it, but that's all I can tell you. So we'll see how that goes. Have you noticed how many Democrat presidential candidates are proudly embracing socialized medicine? With the rosy promises of better health care and lower drug prices. Didn't we hear this before under Obamacare? And when it comes to real tangible reforms, like bringing price transparency into the system, Democrats are opposed. Take pharmacy benefit managers or, P- or PBMs. Never heard of them? The AARP loves them. While PBMs are middlemen that supposedly negotiate drug price discounts that are intended for patients, but instead they keep savings intended for themselves. So you see, PBMs make their money from higher, not lower drug prices. President Trump recently proposed eliminating this perverse system by requiring discounts to go straight to seniors and other consumers. And of course, the Democrats opposed it, but get this, so did the AARP. Why? Because they make a lot of money. Other than the fact that they make mega millions selling supplemental insurance plans. Sure. Now they're on board with the Democrats protecting PBMs while sticking seniors and others with higher drug costs. It's enough to make you sick. So get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com. Truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. Let's start another conversation. Don't worry, I'm going to get to the president of Media Matters, this slime ball. I'll get to him in hour three. Capitalism and socialism. We're back to Elizabeth Warren, who conned her way through school, through law school, to get a professorship. And, of course, she's walking free, running for president. She's on the morning schmo show. And she explains how capitalism and socialism marry each other. And she's asked a question by Willy Geist. Wilhelm Geist. Cut eight, go. You were asked just on Sunday by John Heilman on the circus if you were a capitalist. You said, yeah, I'm a capitalist. We know how you feel about new government programs, things you're going to add there. How do you explain where you are on the question of capitalism, socialism, and where do they marry each other? So, look, I believe in markets. That's what this whole point about tech is all about. I see the benefits that markets can produce. I love the fact that there are a zillion people out there developing new apps or starting new businesses or trying a second line. I think that's fabulous. I think it's great that little businesses are trying to get to be medium-sized businesses and medium-sized businesses are trying to get to be large businesses. All right, stop there. So far, so good. Go ahead. But understand this. Markets without rules are theft. Mm. And there's got to be rules and there's got to be a cop on the beat. All right, let's stop. Markets without rules are theft. Do you know of any market that doesn't have rules? 
You have common law rules, the rules of contract, the rules of tort. Government didn't create the rules of contract. Government didn't create the rules of tort. That's why it's called common law. There's all kinds of rules that are put in place by individuals dealing with individuals, businesses dealing with businesses, and everybody dealing with everybody. The idea that capitalism doesn't have any rules is absurd. And she says markets without rules are theft. No, actually, government and its confiscatory taxation and regulations, that's theft. That's using the law to promote burglary, robbery, redistribution of wealth. That's theft. Now, when we come back, we will continue with this because it's very, very important that we confront it. We have a bureaucracy now over the last 10 years that has put out one million pages of regulations. Does that sound like we have capitalism without rules? The problem is we have too much socialism and not enough capitalism. That is, too much government. See, it's not in the interest of politicians to support capitalism because that improves and empowers individual liberty. They're about government. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. If the world seems so confusing, Mike... We'll be glad to clear that up for you. Call him now at 877-381-3811. It's just amazing to me how people lie about capitalism. There need to be rules. There are rules. There were rules before this massive federal leviathan. There are rules now. What are the rules of socialism? What are the rules... For socialism. Now, of course, Willy Geist on MSLSD on the Morning Schmo Show. He's too stupid to follow up and ask her. Okay, rules for capitalism. What are the rules for socialism? What are they? Well, you'll never get a question like that on MSLSD. Now, admit it. You think that cybercrime is something that happens to other people. You may think that no one wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or credit card details, but you'd be wrong. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fis is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. 
Now, when you leave your Internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why I decided to take action to protect myself from cyber criminals. I use the best Express VPN. Express VPN secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Express VPN is easy to use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on Express VPN protection only takes one click. Don't you want to protect your privacy? Using ExpressVPN, I can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having my personal data stolen. And it's for less than 7 bucks a month you can get the same EVN protection that I have. ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is rated number one. The number one VPN service by TechRadar, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mark. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark to learn more. Let's get back. Let's get back to somebody who lied her way into college and law school, lied her way into Harvard, and lies her way now. What are the rules for socialism, ladies and gentlemen? Let's begin where we left off, Mr. Producer. Cut eight, go. But understand this. Markets without rules are theft. Mm. And there's got to be rules and there's got to be a cop on the beat. You and I go a long way back. You remember back before the crash that what had happened basically was the financial giants had figured out they could make buckets of money by cheating their customers. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. The Reinvestment Act is what happened. Your party forced banks and mortgage companies to make loans to people who never had the wherewithal to pay them back. You insisted that they were redlining. You insisted that they were discriminating based on race. And you forced them. Dodd and Frank, among others, your party, forced them to make loans that were never going to be paid back. This was the central part of the problem, among other things, that destroyed financial markets. Go ahead. Just credit cards. And sure enough, that's what they were doing. The cops on the beat, the regulators just looked the other way, paid no attention. Now, the regulators did not look the other way. The regulators forced them to do this. That's my point. What are the rules for socialism, ladies and gentlemen? Go ahead. And the consequence was big banks made a lot of money. They broke the backs of millions of families and ultimately crashed our economy. That's why we needed rules. It's so sad that we have so many stupid liberals who pretend to be anchors and hosts and news people. It really is. Because she just rewrote the whole history there. She rewrote the whole history. But she's got other ideas, ladies and gentlemen. Some of you may actually agree with this. Some of the nationalist populists agree with this, and I strongly disagree with it. Cut nine, go. 
So another way to explain that, too, is let's take Apple, obviously a very mm -hmm. popular company. It has an app store. Do you yep. believe that Apple should be allowed to sell its own apps on its app store? So it needs to do one of the Whoa, 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 whoa. Do you believe Apple should be allowed to sell its own apps in its app store? Well, why would you prohibit it? Why, why would you prohibit it? They created the platform. They've created the software. They've created the computers. They've created what they've created. Why shouldn't they be able to? Go ahead. Either it runs that platform, the App Store, or it's selling its own products on the App Store, but it doesn't do both of those simultaneously. Because Why? Whatever... Why can't they? Why can't they? Now, these are people who have produced nothing. Absolutely nothing. They don't even know how to make a pencil, which is complicated enough. They're not creative. They're not productive. They're not inventors. They're not entrepreneurs. They haven't created a single job. They haven't created a single tax dollar from jobs and wealth creation. They haven't made America competitive. They don't operate in the, in, in the, uh, in the economy in any effective way. But they know how to run Apple. It's an amazing thing to listen to politicians and so-called reporters, isn't it? Next thing you know, they'll want to run Exxon. They'll want to run Microsoft. They'll want to run everything. They do. Here you have this idiot, 29 years old, out of New York. She wins her primary by about 15,000 votes. And she's telling you how to change the economy, how to run everything. It, it, it's really a remarkably uh, repugnant thing, isn't it? Go ahead does it has this enormous competitive advantage that wipes out all the other little businesses in fact did you know willie that did you know ladies and gentlemen wipes out all the other little apples out there is there another apple out there mr producer i mean are there a lot of apps out there there's a zillion apps tons of apps people having trouble getting apps out there No, no, it's just too big. We have to destroy it. Now, they want an all-powerful centralized government that's not just involved with Apple. That's involved with every aspect of your life. Every aspect. Education, food, health care, energy, you name it. Housing. Every aspect of your life. A centralized government with non-experts, bureaucrats, civil servants who are to tell you how to live. Because they have the power to do so. But when it comes to the private sector and people inventing, people hired and fired on merit, they want the biggest monopoly with all the legal power behind it to tell these smaller entities how they're to run, how they're to function. There's not a single person running for president who knows how to run Apple. But they all insist on running Apple. And I'm no fan of the people who run Apple. That's not my point. This isn't about personalities. It's not even about politics. It is with her. It's not with me. And just because you're angry with Apple or angry with this or angry with that, you don't turn over these entities to the biggest centralized monopoly on the face of the planet. Where boobs and incompetence and political hacks and others somehow are going to run them better. This idiot didn't even know if she was Native American. But she knows how to run Apple. Go ahead.
referred to this zone around folks like Apple and Google and Amazon. Anyone that moves into the competition space, it's called the kill zone. It's called the kill zone by whom? By whom? Ladies and gentlemen, there is competition out there. There's a lot of competition out there. You don't have to use Google. You can use Bing. You don't have to use Bing. You can use DuckDuck. There's all kinds of search engines out there you can use if you want to. You don't have to buy a damn thing from Apple. There's all kinds of competitors. Samsung, you can go on and on and on with the the competitors with Apple. As far as Amazon, there's a zillion competitors out there. We call them retail stores. Go ahead and use them. Use them. No problem. In the meantime, the Israelis and the Japanese are developing a, an entirely different platform. This is how it's supposed to work. And then you have the, the Neanderthal no-growthers out there say, technology's going to kill us, technology, can't do technology, technology. You develop your way out of these oligarchical or monopolistic situations, and that's how you improve the quality of life and you improve society. People aren't out of work because of technological advances. There are more people working because of technological advances. Imagine if we didn't have a computer. All these people work on software and hardware and maintenance and all the rest of it. They wouldn't even exist. These retail sales, uh, uh, stores, Best Buy, they wouldn't exist. Even Amazon wouldn't exist. It's as if we we are self-defeating. We handicap ourselves. We cripple ourselves. Entrepreneurship is good. Enterprise is good. Go ahead. Venture capitalists are investing about 20% less than they used to on these startup companies because they know if they go into the kill zone, one of two things will happen. Uh, You know what? Stop with your stupid language. Kill zone. Kill zone. To get people all worked up and angry because her constituents are stupid. They're socialists. We still don't know what the rules of socialism are, do we? And these kill zones. And by the way, just because somebody wants to start a company and compete doesn't mean they get to succeed. It doesn't work that way either. Sometimes these kill zones are not kill zones. They're decisions that you and I make. Decisions you and I make. We'll be right back. All right, we all know eating fruits and vegetables should be part of our daily routine, right? However, we don't always have time, you know, to fit them into our diet. Thankfully, my friends at Brickhouse Nutrition have made a product called Field of Greens, and it's great for those of us on the go. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. Just add one scoop in a cup of water, stir, and you're done. And by the way, you can add it to anything, whatever you like to drink, orange juice, tomato juice, so forth, and it tastes really good. And uh, I'm not the only one who thinks so. Read all their five-star reviews, like this one from William in California. 
I was surprised when I initially mixed it in water and found the taste to be very pleasant. My energy levels are up in the morning and throughout the day, noticeably so. Very pleased. I highly recommend Field of Greens. So, folks, go to BrickHouseLevin.com. That's all one word. BrickHouseLevin.com. And get 15% off your first order just for trying it out. But you have to also use promo code LEVIN. That's two LEVINs right there. BrickHouseLevin.com. Promo code LEVIN. Get 15% off your first order. I strongly recommend you give this a try. Remember, it's 100% USDA organic, a natural source of vitamins and minerals. Helps boost your immunity. Includes organic strawberry, raspberry, blueberry, cranberry, pomegranate. For antioxidant strength, helps boost your metabolism with organic ginger and green tea. Field of Greens. Field of Greens. I really want you to try it. I really want you to try it. I know you're going to like it. Remember that commercial? Try it. You like it. Well, it's true. All right. Let's see who's on the phone here. See, I actually take calls on this program. I want to interact with you. I don't just race through websites and so forth. I could. I don't think you'd like that very much. Mark, El Paso, Texas, the great KTSM. Go. All right. Thanks so much for taking my call. I hope you're having a good night. I am, and thank you. Uh, I just want to talk about that last liberal caller. I was yelling at my radio, and you were just saying the responses in better words. Uh, This is exactly how the left tries to treat the Constitution, like it's a scrap of paper. The First Amendment, they can do whatever they want. They conveniently forget the Second Amendment. They try to use the Tenth Amendment against the other amendments. It's exactly what it says not to do. <laughs> uh, it's, and then they want to treat it like a law. And then they want to law away the Second Amendment or whatever they feel is convenient. Yet nobody ever proposes an amendment change because they know they would lose. Mm-hmm. You're right. And You're absolutely it, right. It, it's it's laughable that this guy wants you to describe. And the main reason I listen to your show is how educated and how instructional you are on the Constitution. And this guy wants you to explain the Constitution and in the same way that a law is written in 2019 or from the 1970. I'm sorry, I don't remember the year. No, but you're right. And here's but, the thing. Let's say this law is written in 1976. You only look at the legislative history if you absolutely must, because the legislative history, they mess around with it. Like I say, even people who oppose the law stick legislative history in there. Uh, And they put it in there because they want to give a hook to some judge or somebody to use it to try and basically uh, reinterpret the law. These are activists. A law is a law. When it comes to the Constitution, you're trying to figure out the intent of the framers who wrote it, the language of the time, the intent of the time. And and we're bound by that. Statutes can change. Statutes don't go through an amendment process. There's a reason why an amendment process is much more difficult and complicated and involves the broader body politic, supermajorities in the House and the Senate, supermajority in the ratification conventions, or if you go Article 5, supermajority of states that have to meet supermajority for ratification. Statute doesn't require supermajorities. Statute can be passed one day, passed another day, changed another day. And so this statute is particularly straightforward. It's particularly straightforward. 
and I, I, I wasn't quite grasping what the gentleman was trying to say, but he wouldn't really allow me to have a conversation with him because he kept talking over me. Yeah, he wasn't a good listener. <laughs> uh, I love that you mentioned the language because that's one of my biggest points about the Constitution. And is what you said is if the intent is clear, or if the law is clear, if the writing is clear, you don't need to look at the intent. And just because the writing of the Constitution is in an older form of English does not mean it's unclear to some people. And the best part about what you do is you acknowledge that the Constitution is more than just 10 amendments, which there are, by the way, more than 10. But mm -hmm. it's a lot more than just the Bill of Rights and the subsequent amendments. It's a whole do governing document right. that states how to do things. Let me, let, me, let me piggyback on you here for a second. One of the reasons that you're seeing lots of objections to what the president wants to do is really a lot slimier than a debate over the Constitution. You have military construction projects. Now, these construction product projects, basically, there's money that goes from the taxpayer to these various construction outfits. If the president moves money away from military construction projects, let's say in one metropolitan area or one state, and moves it into work uh, to funding the wall. They're going to lobby their members of Congress to complain about this. All this is going on in the shadows. Follow the money. It's all going on in the shadows, and you and I don't even know about it. Thanks for your call, bud. We'll be back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating, and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real, USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. So, as you know by now, there's this criminal front group called Media Matters for America. And the reason I call it a criminal front group is because it's a tax-exempt organization, and it should not be. It is abusing the tax system. The IRS has allowed it to abuse the tax system, presumably because of all the billionaires that back it. It has as its sole purpose to destroy freedom of speech to destroy the speech of conservatives, of Republicans, of non-leftists. It is a partisan 
hit job organization. And that you and I are subsidizing it. And we've learned a lot now about the man who is the president of Media Matters, and I suppose we'll learn more over time. He's a real reprobate, sleazeball, vile human being. And the Daily Caller News Foundation, Peter Hassan, reports that Media Matters president, Angelo Caruso, that's his name, C-A-R-U-S-O-N-E, you can look at it yourself, is currently leading a boycott campaign against Fox News host Tucker Carlson, a co-founder of the Daily Caller News Foundation, in an attempt to get him fired. They've done the same thing with Sean Hannity. They've done the same thing with Laura Ingram. Caruso and Media Matters, which openly pine for the destruction of Fox News, have justified the left-wing boycott campaign by pointing to a number of statements that Carlson made on a radio shock jock show between 2006 in 2011. But Carasone has his own track record of inflammatory statements. Carasone's now defunct blog included degrading references to trannies, Jewry, and Bangladeshis. Carasone posted a lengthy diatribe in November 2005 about a Bangladeshi man who was robbed by a gang of transvestites, as Carasone described it. Carasone was offended that the gang was described as attractive in an article. Quote, did you notice the word attractive? What the F is that doing in there? Is this the writer, a tranny lover too? Or perhaps he's trying to justify how these trannies tricked this Bangladeshi in the first place. Look, man, we don't need to know whether or not they were attractive. The effing guy was Bangladeshi. And while we're out, what the hell was he doing with $7,300 worth of stuff? The guy's Bangladeshi. Karasun also tried to police for not advising the public to stay away from tranny bars, stay away from places where Eddie Murphy and Robert Downey Jr. have or are visiting, don't effing kiss a transvestite, don't bring a group of transvestites back to your room, etc. The future Media Matters president titled his post, Tranny President. There's much more. Much more. Carasone did not return an inquiry from the Daily Caller Foundation asking whether he sees any contradiction between his boycott campaigns and his own past comments. Carasone previously dismissed concerns about his past anti-Semitic comments on the grounds that his longtime partner is Jewish. Prominent conservatives had rallied, have rallied behind Carlson. And it goes on. I notice they don't quite quote me over there at the Daily Call. That's okay. No problem. I contacted uh, Tucker directly. Hold on, let me know what you need, because it's obvious what's going on here. These are the Soviet police state tactics of the left. And I want to help, as I do with Sean and others who are under attack. Now, I'm never helped when I'm under attack. It's very bizarre. Like two years ago when I put together the clandestine activity that was taking place, not in particulars, but in the particulars, but broadly enough. I don't remember too many people defending me. A handful, right, Mr. Producer? 
Not too many. Some people wanted my slot. Ain't going to happen. Uh, but we try and defend those. Over the years, I've clearly defended Rush, Sean, Tucker, Lara, whomever. Even Savage, I think. Because they'll take you down, these guys. That's, that's the battle. Whether you believe in liberty and free speech or you don't. And by the way, over there at CNN, they don't. Because they have as their objective to destroy Fox. It's not going to happen. Because CNN is destroying itself. It's a useless carbon footprint. With a bunch of munchkins who are, uh, who are hosts on that program. Pretty much. It's not going anywhere. I want to play for you a uh, video. You won't see it, obviously, but you'll hear the audio from Lynn Wood's law firm. This guy is sharp. He not only knows the courtroom, but he knows marketing and the press because they've gotten out in front of this lawsuit and they've put out a, uh, a two-minute or so video uh, explaining their position. And it includes uh, part of our Sunday Night Fox show when I interviewed Lynn Wood. Let's take a listen. It's pretty cool. Cut 15, go. Last January, 16-year-old Nicholas Sandman was falsely targeted, attacked, vilified, and threatened. The Washington Post, owned by the richest man in the world, led the print media's false attacks against Nicholas's reputation. CNN led the broadcast media's charge against Nicholas. Both recklessly spread lies about a minor to advance their own financial and political agendas. Despite raw video debunking the false narrative, the Post and CNN double down on their reckless lies. He clearly doesn't blame himself. He puts the blame on the adult. Lies that will forever haunt and endanger the life of an innocent young man. I blame that f***ing kid. What a little <laughs> Lies that further divided our nation. How long will we allow these media giants to tear at the fabric of our lives to further their own agendas? Will they ever be held accountable? Lawyers representing Nicholas Sandman have just filed a bombshell defamation suit. Yes, they will. Nicholas Sandman has taken a stand for himself and for you by filing major lawsuits against CNN and The Washington Post. Nicholas and his legal team will not be stopped until these Goliath corporations are held accountable for their lack of journalistic integrity. Until then... No one's reputation is safe. If you took the time to look at the full context of what happened that day, Nicholas Salmon did absolutely nothing wrong. If they can get away with this against a 16-year-old boy, then we're all at risk. There has to be change. And that's very true, because the media are not self-policing. They're not professional. They're ideological. And they're exactly right. If you're going to go after a 16-year-old kid who's minding his own business, because he's white and he's Christian, he goes to a Catholic school, and even worse, he wears a MAGA hat, Make America Great Again hat then they will go after anybody, and they do go after anybody. Now, Elizabeth Warren likes to talk about breaking up things, except the central government. She wants to expand that and empower that. 
It's always amazed me how we're supposed to hate oil companies but like big government. Supposed to hate insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies but like big centralized government. And bigger the more centralized. And the difference between these major corporations and the federal government, of course, is what? The federal government has enforcement powers. The federal government has laws. The federal government has federal police. It's not so with any private entity. And yet we're supposed to continue to support that. We have big media now, these massive corporations that buy these newsrooms, buy these journalists, pay their salaries, pay their pensions, pay their health care. And I believe it's a protection racket. You're never going to see CNN report in any negative way about the mega corporation that owns them. You're never going to see MSNBC or NBC in any way report anything negative about the mega corporation that owns them. And I'm not speaking as a Marxist. I'm, just, I'm telling you that this is the way it works. They immunize themselves from criticism. CNN hasn't reported much on the lawsuit against CNN, and yet it's a big story. Because CNN is about CNN. It's not about freedom of the press. It's not about any of that. You actually have a guy, Jim Acosta, who's a lousy reporter, because he doesn't report anything. He's a verbal brawler, and he's not even intelligent. He's like a bad caller to a talk show host. And while he's covering the White House, he's writing a book. And he's writing a book about how difficult it is to cover the White House. So in other words, he's throwing mud balls at the president, at the press secretary, making it very difficult for them to do their business, difficult to respond. And then he uses his platform to write a book. In other words, it's all contrived. It's all contrived. That's CNN. CNN has two hosts in Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo. Very stupid people. Uh, very leftist. They don't hide it. And Trump haters. There are their qualifications. Well, Blitzer spends most of his program promoting every single accusation, uh, insinuation about Trump and any investigation. That's what he does. Allison Camerata might as well be the communications director for the DNC. She's the falling star of their falling morning program. Then they have this guy, Brian Stelter, who's basically uh, escaped from an insane asylum, a padded cell. And all he does is running around saying, Fox, 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 like he has a speech impediment and a mental tick. Never seen anything like it. Really, really, a newsroom full of lightweights, has-beens, wannabes, and hacks. That's why this lawsuit is important. You and I believe in freedom of the press more than the press believes in freedom of the press. Because we believe in the First Amendment and the rest of the Constitution. We understand the founding of the press back then, as small as it was, was crucial. 
But we also understand that the press today is not really a press. It's a propaganda operation. And thus, they are undermining the republic. They're trying to burden this president. And they are leading point for the Democrat Party and their hope for impeachment. And then they went after a kid. They went after a kid, really, because of the hat he was wearing. Some association to Trump. Just as they go after Trump's kids. The difference now is, even though CNN is owned by AT&T, which has annual revenue of over $175 billion a year, and even though CNN undoubtedly has very significant insurance coverage, they thought they could beat this kid into the ground without any consequence. Well, now they have a problem because probably the number one First Amendment litigator in the country has been hired to teach CNN a lesson that it ought to report news, or at least attempt to report news, rather than smear a teenager in order to advance a a narrative. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, ladies and gentlemen, Lisa Page's testimony has been released, and it's really quite remarkable. She was one of the senior FBI officials involved in launching a counterintelligence investigation against our now president of the United States. And she made it clear that they didn't have anything beyond this dossier. She made it clear that when Robert Mueller was appointed, there was no evidence of Russian collusion. The only basis really for the uh, FISA warrants is now abundantly clear was the dossier. So basically, the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC paid for this investigation. She also made it clear that Loretta Lynch, the Attorney General in the Department of Justice, were not just observers, that they did not want Hillary Clinton prosecuted. Everything's coming into focus, isn't it? The coup attempt, the investigation of a candidate of the opposite party by an administration that was backing Hillary Clinton, the abuse of power, the abuse of the FBI by the senior officials there, with the encouragement of the Department of Justice, where you have a mole in the Deputy Attorney General's office whose wife works for Fusion GPS. I mean, you couldn't write this script. Nobody would believe it if you had a movie of it. And in all the investigations that are taking place, the criminal investigations by Mueller's office, none of this is a factor. None of it. And then you watch Manafort. Manafort gets a total of seven and a half years from the federal charges in the Eastern District of Virginia and in Washington, D.C. I believe he's 70 years old or so. Seven and a half years. And within minutes of the Obama judge issuing her sentencing, her sentence rather, in Washington, D.C., the Democrat elected district attorney in Manhattan, Cy Vance, unleashes a 16 count indictment under New York state law against Manafort. 
which tells you that the special counsel's office has been colluding with and conspiring with the DA's office in Manhattan, Cy Vance. So it's not enough. You see, a typical DA's office would say, you know what, justice has been done. He was convicted in two courts. He's going to do seven and a half years, maybe something shy of that, depending on his behavior. We've got a really, really long list of cases we have to deal with here in Manhattan. Some of them, many of them involve violent crimes. Let's move on. But no. They actually want Manafort to die in prison. If you're convicted of capital murder in most states that still have the death penalty, you can appeal for the next 18, 20, 22 years. So you're still going to live for a long time. Manafort's 70 years old, give or take. 70 years old, give or take. Seven and a half years. The DA's office in Manhattan wants him to do, obviously, decades more. They want to give this guy, effectively, the death penalty. It's absolutely sickening. Sickening. I'll be right back. Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday night was the highest rated show on all three cable networks on Sunday night. And we own our time slot. And that's thanks to you, not me. Almost one and a half million viewers. You have shows on HBO. You've got other shows on on uh, CNN and MSNBC during regular day hours or morning hours or even prime time hours that don't reach that size audience. Because as I say, we're on 10 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday night. But you watch and you, you stay up to watch it. And I want to thank you because when that stops, I'll stop. Also, our radio ratings are through the roof. Our time slot in... Los Angeles, we are number one in the 3 to 6 p.m. time slot, beating all our competitors on KEIB and KABC. In New York, number one in our time slot against all talk radio on WABC. Again, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. I can go right down the list. And this is because of you, not me. You know that we work hard. I work hard to prepare for this program. I just don't go onto websites and run through the six, seven stories there as fast as I can. There's no point in that. I learned a long time ago, you need to respect your audience. And you're the smartest of all audiences. And I do respect very much my audience, and and I'm actually blessed. Same with on Levin TV and same with on Fox. That's why we take it to another level. Some nights we'll cover five or six issues, but it's a rare night. Typically we'll cover three or four because there needs to be some perspective, some history, some tangible context to what we're discussing. That's what we do. I don't know what the others are doing, but that's what we do in this program. It's the toughest time slot in talk radio. And we've talked my company bosses and I about moving the show up 
and they very much would like to. But for now, I'm going to leave it at 6 p.m. Yes, believe it or not, I get to make that call. Mr. Producer, I bet you would love to move this show up. You'd get home faster, wouldn't you? My wife wants me to move the show up, too. But for now, we're going to stay right where we are. But you never know what the future brings. And uh, I've always been interested. I've always wondered if this show were at a better time during the day, how massive our audience would be. We have the biggest audience, the third biggest audience in the country, and we're on at 6 p.m. at night Eastern time, and people are in their cars, when they're going to dinner, when they're with their kids, whatever. It's a remarkable thing, and it's, again, thanks to you. And all our great affiliates out there, we're very, very appreciative. Our partnership with Satellite Radio, they are great people. And we've also, as you know, we've, we've done a lot of work on our podcast. Really make it lean and mean. And of course, it's free. We don't charge you for our podcast. Now, I could put a camera on my desk and show you my nostrils three hours during the show, but I don't think you really want to pay for that either. And we have our wonderful Levin TV, where you do subscribe, because we've got to pay for the lights, we've got to pay for the studio, we've got to pay for the electricity, we've got to pay for all those things. And we make that as affordable as humanly possible. I'm very excited about this book that I'm finishing, that will be out, and... Uh, I really think you're going to enjoy it a lot. You know, we're in the final days to register for that excellent free online course on Congress that I've been telling you about. Hillsdale College offers you the very best history, civics, and government courses you will ever find. And literature and economics, too. And they are all free. Why? Because Hillsdale's mission is to help any American who wants to learn how to be a better citizen. And why does Hillsdale care about that? Because an educated citizenry is the key to keeping America free. It's that simple. Register now at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Given that there are so many in the House pushing socialist policies, it's more important than ever that we do our part to advance freedom. The so-called progressives might control the House. It's still up to us to control them. Hillsdale's on a mission to restore liberty in our great country. We need to do our part. So let's register now to learn how Congress is supposed to work and then watch the course anytime we want. Take it with your book club or on a weekly family night. Teach your kids about freedom. LevinforHillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Check out that website. It's really quite, quite impressive. Mr. Producer, the call screen is down. Who shall I speak to, please? W-S-A-U, Carolina in Wisconsin. How may I help you? Hi, Mark. Um, this is the second time that I call. I'm a legal immigrant, and I have my theory. It's a little controversial, but I think I know why they don't want to vote for the immigration law. I think Democrats and Republicans like cheap labor. The companies pressure them for that. I didn't want to solve the problem. I don't see any other reason. Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. Uh, for them, that's their reason. For the Democrat Party, they have another reason. But isn't it interesting yes. to you? I, I, I agree, too. Is, is it, isn't it interesting to you that the Democrats run around talking about $15 an hour minimum wage 
and yet they open the door to illegal immigrants who are paid under the table. Yes. It's really quite remarkable that they get away with this, uh, this, this, this me, conflict. To me, it, they are like slaves. Like when you're talking about slavery, mm-hmm. why they don't want to solve the problem? I, it's unbelievable. All right, my friend. I appreciate it. Because that way the Democrats can have it every way. Pushing a minimum wage while behind the door. They can tell certain corporate interests who support them. Don't worry. We, we have the, the border wide open. Uh, and they can pretend they're compassionate when, in fact, it's all about power. I say it all the time. People say it's all about money. It's actually all about power. Uh, and that is uh, they hope that these people one day will become citizens in some grand, uh, you know, comprehensive immigration deal or their children will certainly be and they'll vote Democrat. They'll feel an allegiance to the Democrat Party because the Democrat Party didn't want to secure the border. That's what I think's going on. Who's next? Sirius Satellite, Karen in Wyoming. Go right ahead, please. Hi, Mark. Pleasure to talk to you and I look forward to getting your new book. I just wanted you to know, I'll make it quick because we're at the top of the hour almost, that um, I'm, I just retired from teaching English and journalism in Wyoming, full-time teacher for 28 years, and was also teacher of the year multiple times. Wow, that's very cool. Thank you. Um, Worked hard at it, and I've had the opportunity to substitute teach this year because I did retire and have a flexible schedule. Didn't know that I would do that, but it works, and... I am absolutely floored that I've been going into different classrooms and you see CNN News played constantly throughout the social studies curriculum Mm. in high school settings and even in the junior high settings. And I think CNN is indoctrinating students and targeting these young minds. It's a brilliant move on their part. I wish we could get a Fox 5 together somehow. And couple it at least with a CNN 10 so the kids could get both sides. Of the- uh, Im- imagine how bad CNN's ratings would be. I mean, they're bad as it, as it is. But if they didn't have a monopoly in our airports and our schools, imagine. I mean, uh, who would be watching? Just incredible. Just incredible. And um, so I you know, would point out to the students after we, I was the sub plan, say, play the CNN 10 news. That gives you time to get ready for the class, et cetera. Teachers buy it because, or you don't even have to buy it, it's free. Teachers buy into it because they get that extra 10 minutes. The, on, the only cable TV that should be in schools, and I'm being quite honest about this, is C-SPAN. That's it. Hmm. That's it. Well, C-SPAN. They're not getting a fair shot on, and, and the kids buy every single word they hang on to of that CNN 10 publication. I, I or broadcast. I am floored, and the data is skewed. All the polls that they present in this brief 10-minute synopsis are mm-hmm. far off the mark. I, All right, my friend. It's very depressing, I know. Somehow we've got to get our schools back. But, you know, with people like Elizabeth Warren wanting to centralize and nationalize more and more things, we have to regulate capitalism like it's not regulated, like we don't have rules. How ridiculous. And what are the rules and regulations for socialism? It's time that we demand that they define their terms and explain to us what they intend to do to us. And thank you for your call, and congratulations to you also. Richie Rich, next one. Go. Moses in New York, the great WABC. Moshe, go ahead. (laughs) Mark, thank you so much for taking my call because I think it's very important that we give kudos to Fox News 
for not pulling the trigger on any suspensions for either Tucker or Judge Deneen. Yes, mm-hmm. they did the right thing, but the right thing seems to be getting harder and harder to do in the political world. And they deserve kudos for that. And uh, I, I second, agree. I w- Thank you. And second, I want your input on one theory. Um, the Dems are either going to take illegal voting to a whole new level this year, or they know they're going to lose, and they're going to use the 2020 election as a rough draft for the 2024 cycle. What do you think? Probably the latter. I also think the Democrats are committed to making legal that which is illegal today when it comes to voting. You can already see it in these uh, sanctuary cities and states where they they want illegal aliens to be able to vote in local and state elections. And then what are they going to do? Use those ID, use that ID to vote in federal elections? You're not even allowed to challenge them? Under this phony Voter Reform Act that they've passed, you wouldn't even be able to challenge them. And they can register the same day. I mean, it's clear. Why waste your time? I asked this question the other day. I forget which broadcast I was on. Why waste your time waiting for illegal aliens to come into the country? Why not just send 7 billion people absentee ballots that's, and go ahead and let them vote? That's that's time that I went to vote. It just shocked me. I'm in New York and how easy it would be if they wanted to vote illegally, how easy it would be for them. And that's why I'm scared. And that's why I asked you the question, because I, I feel like the Democrats know that and they're going to try and use that. Well, they won a lot of close elections in the House, and I don't doubt it for one minute. For them, elections are only important if they win. If they don't win, it's oppression, it's oppression, it's systematic racism. We have to rule by fiat when their president you know, gets elected like Obama, or we need judicial uh, uh, tyranny where they rule by fiat. Any, any way possible, they seek to advance their agenda. It's a very, very dangerous party. Thank you for your call, my friend. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to congratulate Victor Davis Hanson. His book in the first week sold an enormous number of copies. He's number two on the upcoming New York Times nonfiction bestseller list. Number two. And you know they're grinding their uh, teeth, their seven teeth over there at the New York Times, the book review area, because the title of his book, as you know, is The Case for Trump. So it came in number two behind Michelle Obama's Becoming, which is number one for 17 weeks in a row. Now, if somebody doesn't knock her book off the top of the list, I will have to do that in good time. In good time. Um, Honestly... I don't know what she would write that would interest me. I would think it would be monotonous. Anyway, so she's been number one, I guess, off and on for 17 weeks in a row. But Victor Davis Hanson, we salute him. It's an excellent book. It really is an excellent book. He's come under attack from the usual sources, the left and the uh, pseudo-right. The case for Trump, I want to strongly encourage you to get it. Number two on the list. Good for him. A recent study shows Americans are sleeping less than ever, even though lack of sleep ruins your performance and impacts your relationships. Excuse me. It's time to improve every aspect of your life by getting the best sleep of your life on a brand new set of bowl and branch sheets. They're the softest, most comfortable, 100% pure organic cotton sheets in the world. We have these sheets. 
They are absolutely terrific. Hundreds of thousands of Americans sleep better thanks to Bowl and Branch. They're the only sheets loved by three U.S. presidents. Now, they don't love them at the same time, if you get my drift. But it's more important that there's hundreds of thousands of people, including my family, that loves these sheets. All their products, from the signature soft sheets to the cozy throw blankets to their plush towels, they're made the right way, not the easy way. These are naturally derived products made with the highest level of craftsmanship. And every purchase comes with a 30-day risk-free trial. Now that is amazing. You're not going to buy sheets anywhere that has a 30-day risk-free trial. Get $50 off your first set of sheets plus free shipping at bowlandbranch.com with promo code MARK. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code MARK for $50 off. Bowlandbranch.com, promo code MARK. Well, Mr. Producer, we're going to be ending the program with me in the blind when it comes to our call screens again. Who do we have there, Richie? Dan in Virginia, XM Satellite, go. Hey, Mark, great to great to hear your show. My wife and I really sincerely appreciate your proficiency and perseverance in reporting the facts and reporting things the way they ought to be. I uh, had a quick comment and yes, uh, and then a, an observation for you. Uh, the comment is, you know, as a retired Marine, um, I had the opportunity. Amen, while man. I served, Amen. I had many uh, members of my family, particularly in World War II, who were Marines. So thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, I had the opportunity while I was serving on on three separate occasions, uh, three tours, uh, to serve as an embassy guard uh, overseas and then uh, as a commander for the Marines overseas uh, guarding embassies. And, and one of my observations was there's not a single embassy, with the exception of one or two, that doesn't have a wall built around it for the safety and security of the personnel that are there. Mm-hmm. And it just makes sense to me that as as it as it provides security for sovereign U.S. soil, why in God's name, would we not have a wall guarding our sovereign borders? Hmm, because of uh, voting. And uh, also, if you've been to Capitol Hill lately, uh, that's like an armed camp. Yeah. It's like an armed camp to protect the people inside from the people outside. Now, I understand that. They've had attempts at killing people in there. But, uh, you know, if it's good for our, good enough for our so-called leaders, our politicians, why is it good enough for the rest of the country? I agree. And the observation that I had was, uh, you know, when you look at the uh, at the Democratic Party historically, uh, one of John F. Kennedy's most famous, if not most famous, quotes was, "Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country." Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a Democrat today that could say that, because if you look at what socialism is, it's asking what your government can do for you. Mm-hmm. It's the complete antithesis of everything that that they used to stand for. And so it's just an observation. No, it's a great observation. And I think we should demand that those who promote socialism in any form explain to us what exactly they mean by it and what are the rules. Oh, you can't have capitalism without rules. Well, we don't have capitalism without rules. But they seem to get away with saying whatever they want. So we want to know what rules will apply to socialism to make it workable, quote unquote, to make sure it doesn't devour our liberty, to make sure it doesn't destroy our private sector to make sure it doesn't undermine our small businesses and so forth. So what are the rules for socialism? I agree. All right, my friend, and thank you for your service. I appreciate it. Losing my voice. Sorry, folks. Uh, Don't forget, 
to watch. We have a great Levin TV tonight. You can join us, 844-LEVIN-TV. We'll be back on the radio tomorrow. We're going to have a great Fox show. I have like this little media empire all around me here. And I'm going to get to work now and finish what I consider to be, I think will be my finest book, certainly one of them. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Thanks for being here. God bless. God bless.